0: enter his presence we enter his courts with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise because he's sovereign and I we don't have to beg for him to show up he's already here he just needs us to get in a tune with him and you know what this morning we have got in tune with him right here in the sanctuary of voice of praise I want to welcome you home we're glad you're here if you if this is your very first time I want you to I would like for you to fill out a connect card if you weren't handed one already. We have a special gift for you, but we'd like to, I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. Last week we weren't here, so some of you we missed last week. I hope you got a note from me in the mail. I wrote it out and got it in the mail. Hopefully they got it to you. If it didn't, we got a mail carrier back here. We need to talk to her. But, uh, but, uh, it's glad, we're glad to see you and make, meet many of you for the very first time this morning. It's springtime. Well, at least some groundhog said that. Somebody said that he was being acquitted on lying. Phil, the groundhog. We probably still have some winter weather coming, but, but we know spring's on the way, don't we? And when we have a winter like, you know, this year we've had a little bit more winter than it has been in a number of years. And we're, we're just a little bit ready. By the time we get to the first of February, we're ready for springtime. I'm, I'm taking note. I took note last night that the sun was not fully set at 615. There was still just a little bit of daylight. I I love spring. Sarah told me yesterday, she, she, she reminded me, she said, uh, she said, you know, she said, uh, she said, don't forget, she says, springtime's getting here. You got to work on, get some things lined up at, at the church as far as the groundskeepings and, the, and what have you is concerned. I said, I know it. I said, it's getting here so quick, but yet sometimes it seems so far away, but spring is on the way. It is. And also with the spring comes other things. Those little peepee frogs, that, you know, they'll be, they'll be chirping here before long and we'll get a warm night. You know, and let's not talk about mosquitoes. I, we had a mosquito a couple of weeks ago. let not talk about mosquitoes. I don't like them. But the little crocuses will be poking up through the, maybe even some snow on the ground, the little crocuses and the Easter lilies will be popping up. But you know, something else that will happen Uh during, uh something else that will happen during the, uh Spring season is, briars will start growing. You ever notice that? Green ones. Those green ones, that you like, you just look at them and then they jump up and they'll grab you. You know, they're coming. I want to preach about briar patches this morning. Proverbs chapter 24 and verses 30 through 34. Now, this message in its origin was, is two hours and fifteen minutes long. I have reduced it since the Lord's moved among us this morning. I am going to reduce it to an hour and fifteen minutes. No, it's not that long. It's not that long. I'm just messing with you. Proverbs 24 verses 30 through 34. Thank you to John Jenkins for preaching last week. I re- have received so many compliments of people complimenting you, John, that enjoyed that message. We were watching you as we drove, except when we got to Bucky's. And I did go in Bucky's for a few minutes, so I missed, I missed the very end of it, okay? Proverbs chapter 24. Verses 30 through 34 I went past the field of a sluggard. Past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Some of you are sitting here and thinking, that sounds like some of my... I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I had observed. That's so important. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. Here's the lesson in the learning. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. I want to preach to you the next uh, few moments about preventing the briar patch, preventing the The Briar Patch. In verse 30, if you read there, you will find that there is two descriptive terms that are used. The one descriptive term is that of a sluggard. And sluggard, if you want to define that, is the lack of or the absence of ambition. It involves laziness or slothfulness. Sorriness, my dad would say, and then you see the other characteristic that is outlined. The first one being sluggard, one, and the second one is no sense, no sense. Every once in a while, because you know it's part of our lingo here in the, in the mountains of the Appalachia. Every once in a while, we'll, you and I, all of us in this room, probably have done it sometime or another. We'll run up on somebody, or and, and we'll say they just ain't got a lick of sense. They just ain't got a lick of sense. Sense or no sense is the absence of here. It means the absence of wisdom or the lack of understanding. It doesn't really mean silliness like we sometimes think of. So you have two characteristics. You have the sluggard and you have no sense. I want to speak to those things and as I speak first to the the sluggard or the lack of ambition that, uh, that constitutes, if you would, the need of ambition. The apostle Paul gave some specific instruction requiring effort. When we read Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, Paul says, now that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind and straining towards that which is ahead, I press on towards the goal to the win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Paul also went on in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 to say, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. Or if you're reading the uh, King James, this commandment that the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. In other words, if you don't work, neither shall ye eat. Dave, I don't get you to bring me down just a little bit. I sound loud to myself, okay? So so we see that the Apostle Paul gives specific instruction that requires our, if you would, cause for us to have effort. Paul speaks about, if you would, going forward into the calling, taking hold of everything. He speaks of straining, straining toward what is ahead. Straining there actually means if you flesh that out, as my friend Jim Moran used to say, that means that, that, that you're using every fiber of your being to press into what God has got for you or ahead of you in the future. You see, the work of before us, the work is before us, but I want to ask you a question. Could slothfulness, could laziness or lack of ambition or lack of desire, could slothfulness be causing us to not fulfill the scripture that Jesus is wanting to fulfill in our lives and in our day? What do you mean preacher? Here's what I mean. What I mean, if you go to John chapter four and read what the scripture says, Jesus says, don't say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You know, we're, we're, we're waiting, you know, we, we, we pray for revival and actually in my opinion, revival is for the church. But when the church truly is revived, I believe that there will be people that will be birthed into the kingdom of God, just like we saw this morning. But the reality of it is, there's a lot going on in the world around us. There's a lot happening right now, and it's crazy whether you realize it or not. I, I don't even watch the news anymore. I just sort of grab on a highlight. Ever we don't even watch local news anymore. Only time we watch, the other other week, we turned on the local news to see what church closings was coming across. We, we I, you know, we don't, we don't even watch. It. I don't I'm, I don't want to hear it anymore. I, I'm tired of hearing it. I, I I just pick and choose different things every once in a while and grab a tidbit here and there. But here is the fact of the matter. We are living in a messed up time here in America. We're not living only in a messed up time here in America. We're living in a messed up world right now. We're living in a world that has seen, seen things like it's never seen them before. Okay? We're li- we're living in a world, in our society here in America, we're living in a time that is more godless than it's ever been. In fact, it is the the most godless time that this nation has ever known. And but at the same time, that can cause alarm for us to to say, "Lord, come quick, come quickly, Lord Jesus." Or and and I, you know, and we sang those songs, you know, back during the depression. They sang those songs like, "I'm getting ready to leave this world, and I am ready to leave this world," but under. Stand with me. It's not because times are tough right now, because right now we are living in one of the most opportune times to reach people for Jesus that we've ever known. You see, we used to have to send people all over the world to reach people for Jesus. Now we can not, 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 not that world missions is wrong because I just spoke about that a little earlier this morning. But the reality of it is we live in one of the greatest mission worlds, one of the greatest mission works that is available on the face of the earth right here in America right now. There's people that live all around us. They're not in New York City. They're not in Chicago. They're not in Atlanta and they're not even in LA. But right in Bluewell, in Brush Fork, in Princeton, in Bluefield, in Montcalm, in Matoka, in Tazewell, over in the county. There are people that need Jesus and the fields are white to harvest right now. So I ask that question, are we allowing slothfulness or, if you would, uh, neglect or laziness to try to, I'm trying to avoid being so mean is one of that word today. But are we allowing those things to keep us from carrying out what God is wanting to do in the world right now? Wow. The work is before us. But are we putting our effort into the fields? You know, before we ever see the need to get into the field, I can sit here and tell you the fields are white. And some of you will believe that. And I'm glad you do because I'm being very very truthful about it. I'm being very honest about it. The fields are out there. But some of you have never seen the fields for yourself. Oh, yeah, you live there. And you work, you work among them and they're your neighbors and you drive down the roads and you see it all and you, you may pick up the, uh, the telegraph or you may watch it on WVVA or you may, what's that, what's that news thing that's on Facebook? Uh, J&J, you might see it on J&J. They're the quickest news agency in, in, in Mercer County. Yeah. yeah and you, you may see it, but, but you, yet you haven't really seen it. Let me clarify. You said you really haven't. You really haven't got a vision. You really haven't got a vision. You really haven't had a had a revelation of how white the fields are in front of us. There is more opportunity to reach people for Jesus right now than we've ever had before, right here in this community. There's churches all over this community. There's Baptists, there's Methodists, there's Pentecostals, there's, there's, uh, this about any, there's Church of Christ, there's Christian churches, there's all kinds, of, just about anything you can think of. Let me tell you something. If we would, could reach the people and fill up every single one of these churches, there would still be people in the field. There would still be crop in the field, so to speak. The fields are white to harvest. Have we seen, do we recognize that? I don't want to fast forward here just a little bit because of time. But there's a significance here with the briar patch and the broken wall that Solomon speaks about. Jesus also used briar patch in one of his parables. The parable of the sower. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. Three of the Gospels record the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, there is one of some of the seed that is thrown or sown that is sown into the briars and the thorns. The brayers and the thorns are described in Jesus' parables as being the cares. And the troubles of life. Cares and troubles. Now, we like to think of cares and troubles like, my car just broke down and I don't have the money to fix it. Or like, down in the county where my, over in the Pulaski county where my wife worked, their internet was down for two days. Boy, that was the end of the world. Internet's down two days. Friday night we we're at the ball game, we we're at my granddaughter's basketball game and my grandson was there and he was all sad. I didn't know what was wrong. I thought he was sick. I thought something was going on. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? His dad said he, 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 he's, he's really feeling bad tonight. I said, well, what's wrong with you? He said he's out of minutes on his cell phone. He's in de- deep depression. But the cares and the troubles of his life, you know, Some, sometime, you ever heard that special about going out and borrowing trouble or buying trouble? We do it all the time. We do it all the time. We do it all the time because part of our fleshly battle, part of what we war with, and I don't, it doesn't, it's not, I, I don't think anybody from this in this room because we all still have fleshly tendencies and we struggle with this but the reality of it is we all take on and we all find ourselves in the in the thorns and the briars of life because of lust and greed and selfish wants and selfish desires and even lack of wisdom sometimes we find ourselves in the briar patches of life I'm reminded of One of my uncles a number of years ago and, and, and he, he, he was, he, he had issues with alcohol in his life. He was a great man. I loved him to death, but he, 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 he had issues with alcohol and he bought him, he bought this Sears riding tractor. This is back in the. Like late sixties, early seventies. He buys this Sears riding tractor, it has agriculture type tires on it. You know, it was it was more than a it was you know, it was like a lawnmower on steroids. And and he had always borrowed our tractor up until this time, you know, our old one of the old farm tractors and to plow his potatoes with. But he buys this new Sears tractor and he says, I'm gonna plow my potatoes with my with my new Sears tractor. But I need to borrow you plows. So I took the plow over to him, and I'm over helping him plow his taters out. We call them taters. And he's plowing taters, and he's drinking a little bit. And as he's plowing his taters, the clutch heats up on that new Sears tractor and starts slipping. He said, "I'll fix that," and he tightened the clutch up on it and got him a wrench and he tightened the clutch up on it. Plow a little bit more, and it starts slipping again he said i don't tighten the clutch up a little bit more, and he can, he tightens it until he it ain't no more nothing, there's nothing else to tighten he is't tight and in the meantime he takes him a little break he also smoked he t- took him a smoke break and he sets down well while he was taking his smoke break, it gave time for the clutch to cool down and if, if this ladies if some gents i'll leave you out i'm sorry, but the clutch had cooled down in that sears tractor. So he's getting ready. He said, we got to get these taters plowed out now. And he goes over there and he's standing behind that tractor and he reaches over and starts it up. And that clutch is now fully engaged. He was a big man. That's brand new Sears tractor with those agriculture tires and that t- clutch fully tightened down took off and it drug him through The raspberry briars. He was using words that I no longer use in life. I hadn't used those words for 50 years plus years now. It drug him to, he was scratched up. He was tore up. He, he was bleeding. He was bleeding off his head. He was bleeding. His arms were just, I mean, he was a mess because he had bought something for good, but it turned out evil for him. But it's because of what he did with it. It drug him through the briar patch. And he was skinned alive. And I finally run over there and I, I didn't, I didn't run through the briar patch. Okay. I was a bad nephew. I waited till he got out full circle and came out of the briar patch and I went and shut that thing off. Yeah. But he would not, but he would not let go. That was the problem. He wouldn't let go. You know, sometimes you and I refuse to let go. And we find ourselves getting drug through the briar patch. We have to be responsible. The walls had crumbled for no reason other than neglect. The briars had taken over. The walls, listen, the walls were the only defense of the garden. It was the only thing that kept out the animals and, and any predators. And, and And as these walls crumbled... Everything that you didn't want in there gained access. The owner had the responsibility to protect all of it. The consuming briars and the crumbled wall were simply because somebody was not doing what they should have been doing to maintain the garden wall. You know you and I are responsible for maintaining whichever we are. You and I are responsible for maintaining our relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, preacher, sure I used to be saved, but you don't know what so and so did to me. Fooly. I'm sorry so and so did whatever they did to you, but let me tell you something this. So and so, so and so cannot control. So and so has no control over my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so and so doesn't have relation, so and so doesn't have control over your relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, it's my job to maintain the wall and keep the briars out. And each of us have to realize, and, and it's, it's been misconstrued many times, but the, the Bible tells us for each man to work out his own soul salvation. Listen, I've had people come to me and say, uh, you know, as, as a pastor, you know, you pretty much hear it all. You know, I have people come to me and say, well, i just tell you one thing. If Heath Browning's going to heaven, I ain't got nothing to worry about. Well, I, I, I believe he's going to make it, but I don't know he's going to make it. He don't, the same holds true for him towards me. I trust that all of you all that have a testimony of Jesus Christ are going to make it to heaven. Okay. But I don't know that because I don't know if your relationship was sincere. I just take your word for it. When I preach a funeral, I stand up and somebody, somebody came to us a while back and, you know, was talking about, I said, you know, man, I said, I, I just, I, just, I take people's word for it. Only you know your relationship with Jesus. And I have to take your word for your relationship with Jesus. Now, let me tell you something, you wouldn't get, a, you're not gonna get ahead by lying to a preacher or anybody else about your relationship with Jesus. Okay? You can't, you're not gonna fake it until you make it. Okay? You gotta have that relationship with Jesus. And it's up to you to make it. And I, and, and, but people going back, People say, well, if Oh Heath's going to make it, I don't have nothing to worry about. I don't know that he's going to make it, okay? I'm trusting that he is, but I don't know that he's going to. I can't base my relationship with Jesus Christ on what Heath is doing. That's my point. My relationship with Jesus Christ is simply based on me and this and him. Amen. And so we're responsible for maintaining that relationship. We 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 must avoid using people, places and things as scapegoats for relationship. A preacher I got church hurt. I've been church hurt too. I was church hurt before I became a preacher and I'm been church hurt since I become a preacher, okay? I understand church hurt, okay? But to say, I don't quit serving the Lord cause I got, I'm church hurt. Or even I'm gonna quit going to church cause I got church hurt. I told somebody a few weeks ago, it's like saying you don't go to the gym because there's fat people there. Well that's who needs to be there. People like me. Okay? We can we can excuse ourselves in all kinds of ways. We can and and we sometimes and we can allow the enemy to put all those things in our mind. But let me tell you, there is no there are no scapegoats for our relationship with Jesus Christ. The buck stops right here. The buck stops with you. The scripture tells me that no man can pluck me out of his hand. Amen. You can't remove me. You can't take me out. You know years ago we used to sing an old song. That old song said. Mama don't go. Won't hinder me. I'm on my way praise God. I'm on my way. And I want all of you all to go to heaven. But if you don't go. If my wife doesn't go. If one of my family goes. I can't let that interfere with my relationship. With Jesus Christ. It's just me and Him. We're one on one. So this is what. I skipped over a bunch of my. No, it's because of time this morning. But here's what I'll share with you. Solomon, man of great wisdom. He said, I applied to my heart what I observed. And I learned a lesson from what I saw. You see, the the garden didn't belong to Solomon. The briars weren't his. The stone wall did not belong to him. He was just passing by. And he saw what could happen. If you just. Are given over to slothfulness. And you don't use wisdom. And the light come on. For Solomon. Solomon. I must do better than this. I can do better than this. And as you stand before the Lord and and, and as, as you work out your salvation with Jesus, you may see people falter and fumble along the way. You may see broken walls and you may see those the remains of those walls overcoming with the green briars of spring. But just realize... Your garden doesn't have to be that way. It's all up to you. It's all up to me. I can choose to maintain my relationship with Jesus Christ. Or I can let it flounder. By never praying. Never seeking His face. Never going to the house of the Lord. I've got to take care of my own garden. Not, not being selfish. Not being selfish at all. But nobody else is going to do it for me. You know why nobody else can do that for me? Because nobody else can do it for me. My wife, my wife thinks I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And she can't even eat bread. Don't you sweetie? Yes. Yes, she does. I didn't hear you amen. Okay. But she can't take care. She can't take care of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Only I can. And only you can take care of yours. You bow your heads with me just for a moment. We've already had a tremendous altar service this morning. But I just wonder. Following the. Message in the Word, if there would be another person in this room today with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there one more person in this room that would say, Pastor, I need to be saved. Or, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life today. Is there one person, real quickly, that would slip up your hand and say, just pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come and get you or anything like that. But, Pastor, please, please pray for me.